1: Nora Ronkainen. Meaningful Sport is a series of discussions on the why and how involvement in sport and physical activity can be an important part of a life worth living. We will also explore threats to meaningful engagement in sport and movement culture practices and ask questions about what we can learn about the human condition through our involvement in sport. The guests are leading scholars in human and social sciences of sport who share their explorations in a scholarly as well as a personal context. If you are interested in the theme, you might also want to check out MeaningfulSport.com. There you can find podcast show notes, read a blog, and access many resources for further explorations of meaningful sport. This is the second part of our discussion on sport coaching and care with Dr. Colum Cronin. In the first part, which I recommend you to check out, we explored Colm's phenomenological work on what it means to be a sport coach. Care was one of the essences he identified in that work. In research that followed, he has developed the notion of care in sport coaching and moved from a phenomenological to a more feminist sociological perspective on care. Today, we explore these ideas and discuss how care fits into the picture of coaching in elite sport context, which is known to be result-oriented and a tough world, not only for athletes, but also for coaches. Dr. Colin Cronin is a senior lecturer in sport coaching and physical education at Liverpool John Moores University and serves as an associate editor for Sport Coaching Review. His research has explored what it means to be a coach and has recently focused on understanding how coaches can develop caring relationships with athletes. In his work, he often uses phenomenological and narrative research approaches and qualitative methodologies. I hope you enjoy today's discussion. I think this is the point that we will move to caring. But what you said about caring for the athlete, like beyond the season, that's one of the things that often comes when you look at uh, studies on athletic retirement and and what former athletes find. The, one of the very difficult things for them is that the relationship with the coach ends completely and the coach doesn't seem to be interested in them anymore when they are not athletes. So the coach is not calling um not making a contact not asking how you are doing and that leaves the athlete with the sense of kind of the relationship was just uh fully conditional on them being athletes and and that's difficult for a lot of athletes when they stop
0: yeah i th- i think that's that's really interesting so just before i get into that then i think it's important to remember so at, at this point in my research i was coming at this with you know, some interest in kind of phenomenological philosophy. So as I said, my care was this idea of kind of concern, interest initially. And um, this idea that part of being a human is a concern, you know, otherwise, why would you get out of bed? You know, you might do it for self-interest, or you might do it for an interest in your family or your work, but, you know, part of being human is concern. So that there's very few carefree individuals who are genuinely carefree, if that makes sense, you know? Um, yeah. So these coaches weren't carefree. They were interested in their sports. They were interested in athletes. They were interested in performance uh, at this point. And before we move on to then delving into caring relationships, I, I think it's important to say that, you know, I think that phenomenological philosophy probably still has a lot to offer you know, that I haven't really followed up on. So I probably need to do more work around kind of, you know, um, you know, educational philosophy, for for instance, or the relationships and, you know, temporality and um, care from a philosophical sense. But I kind of parked the phenomenological philosophy at this stage and I need to come back to it. And the reason why I did that was because it kind of answered the question. It's not that they're... These coaches are not caring, they do care. As I said, otherwise, why would you go on a Tuesday night? The more interesting question becomes what are they caring about and how are they caring? Um, and that took me away from phenomenology then and it took me into kind of care literature. So, my more recent work hasn't used as much phenomenology, it's actually used more care theory from feminist sociology, and uh, Nell Nodding's work in particular, who is a philosopher as well, um, but uh, and ha- uh, um, but is very much a care specialist, and that's kind of where I've gone down then, is to move from caring an in- as a, conceived as an interest to caring as a relationship between two people. I don't know if that last little bit has been confusing or if I've helped to kind of distinguish a shift in my research then?
1: No, I, I think that makes perfect sense. So would you still say that being in the coaching world paper uh, is kind of the foundation for for your care research? That's something that you've done a lot in the recent years but that was in the second sense of the word of care just like you, you now explained. So moving away from care as concern in the Heideggerian sense to more towards caring for another person you
0: summed it up brilliantly nora thank you um okay so yeah that's it the paper is a starting point it's the foundation and then in in my subsequent research i'm kind of drilling into each of the essences and in my care work which i've probably done the most on so far i've I've turned to nodding's work um now listeners and i might not be up to date with nodding so should i give a brief introduction there
1: that would be very helpful
0: yeah yeah so so noddings comes at care uh, as a pedagogical relationship Um, and her early work was very much focused on kind of you know typical care between a mother and a child uh, uh, with three kind of main elements here which is the idea that a mother is engrossed in the child's needs, so providing sustained attention. And that's something I saw in the coaches and, and, and other people have seen in coaches as well, you know, where coaches invest time observing, listening to athletes. So they're providing not just attention as a one-off, but sustained attention. And um, Second nodding's concept was motivational displacement. Sometimes the mother will put their needs apart and serve the needs of the athlete or sorry, serve the needs of the child. And again, coaches, we say the same thing. Coaches might want to stay at home on a Tuesday night, but they go out and it's raining and it's cold and they put on a session. And They might not want to look at the diaries, but they do to serve the needs of the athlete. Um, An interesting point there is that those needs aren't always separate. So athletes want to improve as well. And coaches want to win as well. So sometimes these needs actually converge. It's not always... Putting one person's needs to the side to serve the other sometimes we've got joint needs you know Um, and the third element of nodding's work is really important to clarify that it's a caring relationship because the third concept that nodding introduces is reciprocity which is the idea that even a young child provides something to that relationship it might be a smile it might be a cry, it might be a hug, uh, it might be playing an engagement. And for a relationship to be caring, the carer also has to contribute. Um, and that might be accepting care, it might be accepting uh, advice, it might be listening, it might be contributing. But without that, a caring relationship is in danger of becoming a dominating relationship. Uh, where the carer makes decisions for the cared for, imposes their will. So it has to be an element of autonomy on both sides as well here. Um, it has to be an interdependent relationship. So that's kind of Nodding's early work. And since then, that work has been applied in social care, in nursing, in education, looking to develop caring classrooms, for example, Um, where teachers are engrossed in the needs of their uh, pupils, they serve those needs, but pupils also uh, uh, reciprocate and contribute to a caring relationship. Similar in nursing, between nurses and their patients, sustained attention, interest, motivational displacement. Um, And I think we're starting to see that some coaches have caring relationships in sport like that. Yeah. And that brings us kind of up to date. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think my next question was going to be that when you talked about uh, using this this framework or the kind of theoretical approach to understanding different contexts, like the classroom, for example, uh, what are your reflections so far? That's, can you apply that in a sports coaching uh, context or are there some some kind of problems or something you need to adjust in your thinking?
0: Yeah, so we now have a series of case studies where researchers have examined and spoken to coaches to, to understand how they go about this practice. And coaches will often share practices consistent with noddings. You know, I pay attention, I serve the athlete's needs, the athletes contribute back, it's a coaching athlete family environment almost so you know we've got good case studies uh, from the coach's perspective couple of things really on that one is that we haven't got much research from the athlete perspective of being cared for which is ironic mm-hmm. given nodding's emphasis that actually this has to, the athlete voice is or the cared for voice is really important Now, fortunately, Sports Coaching Review, a journal uh, uh, I'm an associate editor on, has a special issue and some of that work will be coming out over the next few uh, months, hopefully. So that will move us on a little. And the other thing is that because we've mainly done these case studies by listening to coaches, that we also have to treat those views critically. And we've started to see some critical problems that maybe need further exploring. Have we got time to go through two or three of them?
1: I think we have the time. So yeah, great. That would no be problem.
0: Great. So, um, you know, there's a recent paper, John Dolston al. and um, talked about how sustainable is a caring relationship. And I think that's really interesting for two points. Um, Caring is a form of labour, it's a form of emotional labour, it's demanding, it's draining. This takes us back to your point about if we put too much care uh, caring labour on coaches, is it sustainable? Are we going to burn out coaches?
1: And is it sustainable
0: yeah. for the athlete? Does the athlete actually need to develop independence away from this caring relationship in time? And I don't have the answers to these problems, but it was posed by John and colleagues. And I think it's a really good question.
1: Yeah. And I think when we are kind of starting to explore this, it's still fairly un unexplored. So I think just kind of throwing these questions out there is, is the first critical step to start developing our understanding in this area.
0: Absolutely. There's a few years' work in this, definitely. Um you know, and hopefully colleagues will pick up the batting and, and research this area, and, you know, and explore it. And one of the things I think that also needs to be explored is is the gendered form of care. So so care is often um, gendered in terms of its associated as a feminine activity. And so if we think in terms of, you know, in the UK, the caring profession is nursing, which is predominantly, you um, conducted by females though not exclusively um, whereas we kind of tend to think of doctors as uh, more logical scientific and maybe more aloof less caring more objective and that gendered form of care doesn't just happen in medicine it might happen in primary school education predominantly performed by females again versus um, university professors which are predominantly male and often that gendered work is un- often undervalued and less rewarded. Nurses paid less than doctors. Primary school uh, educators paid less than university professors. You know, care in the home is predominantly uh, performed by female and, again, possibly undervalued. And I wonder if mm-hmm. we say to, see the same thing in sport. Is care outsourced to the physiotherapist? Is it outsourced to the sports psych? Is it actually seen as a weakness at times? You know, do you have to be cutthroat and aggressive and assertive to be a high performance coach? And those caring coaches might be sent down to coach children rather than athletes. And we know that high performance athletes need care. We know that because of the amount of, you know, media coverage of abusive scandals. But are we employing and valuing caring labor in those high-performance contexts, or do we see it as a gendered, undervalued perf- form of, uh, of labor? So again, there's a massive area to research there, and I haven't got the answers on that. Um, I'd be interested you have thoughts on that.
1: Yeah, at least what you see in, in, in the discussions about what is the professional role of a sports psychologist, I think this caring element is something that comes through more and more in the recent years that that kind of sports psychologist might be the person who doesn't care about whether the athlete is performing or not so that's the person who is who is there for for the athlete as a person first and the athlete second so that would be unconditional acceptance and 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 the interest in the athlete as a person that would be the remit of the sports psychologist in in certain cases yeah, I mean, obviously there are debates about that as well. What is the sports psychologist' role? Is it performance enhancement, or caring, or is it both? Yeah, I think most would say that it's both. Yeah,
0: and I would say the same thing mm-hmm. about the coach because one of the misconceptions around care is is we move away from Noddings' idea of a pedagogical relationship. So the reason why caring becomes pedagogical is because if the coach is engrossed in the athlete then they understand their needs they they know their strengths they know their weaknesses they know what they're struggling with and if the coach is serving those needs then they put on sessions to help them they and if they're doing that in a reciprocal relationship they're doing it collaboratively where the athlete is also contributing so caring isn't just a nice thing to do from a duty of care point of view it's also actually good education and education is an essence of coaching so if we go back to that being in the world paper
1: you Mm -hmm. know
0: it's caring isn't just the the moral thing to do it's also a performance enhancing thing to do and that's why I think it's important that the coaches do both because actually the caring relationship leads to the enhancement of performance that's why I worry Mm -hmm. about outsourcing care to athlete welfare officers or sports psych because then I worry that coaches don't Provide athletes with sustained attention. Don't consider their needs and what they're going through and how they can support them. And if they do that, then actually we'll end up with bad coaching. Uh, yeah.
1: yeah. Then we have a specialist for every single thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, in the Finnish Olympic team, for example, they have a sports pastor. They didn't have a sports psychologist for a long time, but they they had this pastor who was there to talk to athletes and listen to listen to them yeah and i mean in the uk in football you have the sport chaplains as well and and they are kind of working with athletes of all religions and and beliefs so
0: and it doesn't have to be one or the other Mm -hmm. but i just wonder that you think again who is best placed to notice the athlete is it the coach who's on the bus with them in the hotel with them on the field Mm -hmm. with them in the changing room or is it the sport pastor who might come in once a week Surely both have actually got a role here, you know? Um, Surely
1: both, yeah. Mm -hmm. We go
0: back to that noticing, providing attention, empathizing. Actually, the coach is well positioned to do a lot of that work. Uh, They might need Mm. to be resourced and skilled to do that. And, you know, maybe, maybe there's a key educational role for sports sites and athlete welfare officers there to work with the coaching team around that so yeah it's a complex area we need more research and we probably need more action research situated in context to explore this really so that's one of the criticism one of the areas we need to explore so we've talked about the gendered element we talked about role specialization we talked about sustainability the other one of course is you know is kind of care how do we teach coaches to to care um, in both a Safeguarding sense, but also in a developing relationships sense. So yes, we absolutely need to do safeguarding and we, we don't want athletes to come to harm. How do we move beyond that minimum standard of non-malevolence to actually benefits, you know, so that actually, okay, how do we develop those caring relationships? Again, we could do with action research. We could do with intervention research to develop that. Um, so, we, yeah, we've got, you know, an area there to explore on interventions. And then the other yeah. one, which brings us back to um, a recent paper we did, which is what about the wider climate? So how do you develop caring relationships when everybody's job depends on winning, when the media can put right pressure and coaches can be sacked and replaced very quickly in short-termism? Um yeah, I don't know if you've got any thoughts on any either of them.
1: Yeah, I think we will move on to the talking about this ruthless and brutal nature of elite sport and whether that's whether we can actually think of caring as something that is is it realistic at all? But before that, I think when you talked about teaching coaches to care, I think then we come to these questions about is caring a skill? I think those are some of the debates that have been going on when we think about kind of life skills in and teaching life skills to young people in, through sport and that's something I've been reading for my research at the moment so can you teach them can you teach athletes to become a good person as if that's a skill that you learn or or is it more about yeah being a certain kind of person that you cannot teach with any of the methods that we typically use in, if we talk about teaching?
0: Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. And, and I don't think I've got the answer. And I, I think that one of the reasons why I don't have the answer is because so far in coaching, we've predominantly used Nodding's perspective. There were on care. There are other perspectives on care. And again, this is another area that we we could do with uh, more work. Um, so um stolt has done some work on um virtue ethics approach to care which might have more value Um but so far nobody's really picked up on that we've kind of um stuck with the noddings perspective which sits well with the pedagogical view of of care um, Mm -hmm. and the pedagogical view of coaching so I, i understand why we've done that but we do need to have alternative perspectives on care From Nodding's perspective, I suspect, um, you know, the argument would be is that we learn to care within relationships. So we've all got parents, older brothers, mentors. I talked, if I go back to my own coaching, I talked about actually looking back through my career, I've had a lot of female mentors. Um, Even in my own place of work now, I I work with some great female colleagues. um, And I wonder if... I, I. I got an interesting care from them noticing something about me, investing energy and time, listening to me. I include Kathy Armour, my PhD supervisor on this. I include, as I said, Deirdre Hayes, who got me coaching in Newcastle, um, my old um, secondary school teacher, who got me playing basketball, even my sister, who spent some time introducing me to basketball. You know, um, and I'm just wondering if we've learned, if we learn care through our existing relationships, and then if coaches take those skills, we learn what it means to be interdependent, to live in a wider world, and if we then take those experiences into their coaching. And if so, then maybe that's an opportunity for us to, you know, look at how we can model that how we can show care and Nodding's work does talk about developing care through modeling and it's it, it's a topic picked up from some researchers in the United States. Laurie Gano-Overway um, has picked up this work and done some stuff on caring climates. The idea, this has largely been done in schools, but the idea if we have PE teachers, for instance, who model care to children who might have capital, so maybe the popular kids, maybe the most athletic kids, those children might then model care and are those behaviours then picked up and observed? Is that care rewarded um, and valued and reinforced in schools, in clubs, so that actually we move beyond a single caring relationship between a coach and an athlete And we might look at developing more of a caring climate or a caring club where the care burden doesn't just fall on a coach or a sports site, but it's shared with the physio, the S&C, the performance analysis. I mean, performance analysis is a really good example. You know, it's very much objective, quantified, statistical approach. But actually, who's best placed noticed when an athlete is struggling is the performance analyst. So mm-hmm. maybe they yeah. can do nurturing care. Maybe that's part of their role. Um, and maybe that's something we need to model and show and teach, as well as statistical objective performance analysis. Lots of ideas there. Sorry, I'm, I'm throwing ideas at you left, right and center. I think.
1: No, I, I think that's great. And I think that's what you're pointing out towards a more like a culture of caring in that environment. And that would be something to strive towards. I guess with the kind of skills question, I just was thinking that, you know, at least caring is not a skill in the same way as psychological skills in sports psychology. So I'm not hoping to see um, a caring workshop in the same way as... uh, you know, goal setting workshop. So that would be something that (laughs) in sports psychology could easily happen, you know. So probably we need to think about caring in a little bit different way.
0: Can I just follow up on that? That's Because I I think you'd be able to enlighten me on this, really. One, One thing I have been looking at is listening skills and motivational interviewing and empathetic listening. And are they skills that can lead to engrossment, for example? Um, lead to noticing Mm. and then maybe it's a disposition as to whether we serve those athletes needs so we might need caring skills to notice and understand our athletes but maybe it's a a disposition or a behavior to serve the needs because noticing isn't caring so if I notice an athlete is struggling that's the first step of caring but it doesn't become caring until I do something and serve those needs and until the athlete engages with a relationship and accepts and we collaboratively do something. So yeah, I wonder if there is still a small place for a skills element.
1: I guess we, yeah, and we shouldn't say that it's either or. So um, yeah, I'm maybe being too critical, but it's easily in sports psychology, it would go towards... Let's do a one-hour workshop and then we have ticked the box and now we can say that, you know, we have educated (laughs) our people to care. So not saying that these things have no value at all, but that cannot, most likely that cannot be the only thing and then you tick the box that we've done what is required of us.
0: And at the very least, again, I mean, you know... I'm a coach, not a sports psych, but when I look at sports psych, I, I, I look at um, Sophia Jowett's work, you know, which shows us that it's relationships. It's not one-off workshops, yeah. it's relationships. But I also look at, you, you, you know, um, uh, Duda's work on climates as well, you know. We, yeah. we know that it's relationships and context from a sports psych and and sociology shows this as well. You know, Robin Jones's work, Chris Cushion's work, sociology of coaching shows that it's coach-athlete, our and parents for instance, we're in relationships and climates rather than single one-off workshops. So hopefully, you know, Absolutely. we would go that way. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, you know. But I've probably more out given more questions than answers so far.
1: No, I I think that's that's a good way to go. So hopefully somebody else will come back to us and say that they know the answers <laughs> to all our yeah. questions.
0: And maybe, the, and maybe the answer is in phenomenology. So to, to bring us back to where to start, we've just finished there talking about interpersonal relationships and yeah. contexts and climates. And that takes us back to kind of existentialism, you know. Um, it takes us back to the life world. It takes us back to, you know, you know we don't live on on the on the earth as individuals but as communities with others how do we interact with others you know and how do Mm -hmm. we educate athletes do we do that best in caring relationships how do we educate them for the challenges that come do we care about the loneliness of the warm-up in the in in the athletic stadium the 45 minutes you know Uh, do we care about the athlete and educate the athlete who's struggling at school do we work with the parent to do that so it takes us back to those essences again you know care educating athletes for future challenges and then working with others you know to develop even if that excellence is very different in very different life words, you know
1: Mm, absolutely but that also comes to the i mean for the existentialist we are being in the world and being with others and always in this cultural context. And so I guess that comes to the question I threw out there a little while ago that are we idealistic uh, in terms of thinking about this caring relationship? And if we think of the world of elite sport and and there have been like so many crises and scandals about athlete abuse and, and mental health issues in elite athletes is like one of these very big topics in sports psychology at the moment and there have been a lot of media scandals about like sport cultures and how they are destroying young people's futures and so you've also done work on caring in in elite and and professional football settings so maybe you can talk about that research and also if we are being realistic with our uh, thinking about caring coaching
0: yeah um Okay, so if I pick up on that research, so we did a paper around it, ch- and we titled it "The Challenge to Care," um, and it was kind of a you, you know it was a, a strength and conditioning coach's experience of working with an athlete in 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 a professional football setting where you know performance has uh, consequences in terms of relegation and success brings more money to a club, but ultimately those wider economic influences, you know, can either benefit a community. So, you know, if a club is relegated and down to a lower division, they lose income. Well, that means staff have to go. Uh, and, you know, and this is very, you know, very um, topical at the moment. We are seeing this, you know, as the world goes through kind of an economic uh, shock, really. You know, so there are consequences for communities. There's consequences for people in that, uh, in that world. Um, so, do you know? Do does a football club care about the wider community and care about winning, or does it care for an athlete who might need some extra time uh, to recover from an injury? And that was the challenge within the 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 paper, um, and even then, within that, within a given club, we also, as I said, you know, it's an interpersonal uh, world. We work with others. Well, how do the power dynamics work there? Do we care for our own position? Do we engage in micro political activities? Do we undermine people? Um, does it become, um, you know, a cutthroat, uh, aggressive? Environment. So the strength and conditioning coach needs to navigate all of this to support the athlete. You know, how do they navigate the internal power dynamics? How do they navigate the external economic influences? What about the athlete and their role? They want to get back and help a team for the greater good for their own career. So it's a very complex um, relationship and system um, and it's not easy. And I think our job then as researchers is to kind of problematize that, work with people to understand that, float solutions, work with people to see if they're out with solutions and then to kind of come right around to your first question, do the scandals that we've seen and the horrific incidents that we've seen, does that mean, you know, that, you know, sport can't be a caring climate and should we all give up and go home, basically? I, I, I'm more yeah. optimistic on that. And I think that's, you know, my, that's probably reflected in my research. I haven't actually done much research on abuse. I've tried to look at research on caring relationships as a more positive vehicle, but it also reflects, you know, probably my social uh, perspective. You know, sport is a social construct. You know, the economics around sport have been decided by individuals you know so they can be reimagined they can be redesigned you know these aren't in you know these aren't set in stone and i think that reflects kind of a little bit of sociology there but also some philosophy i'll i'll i look at maxine's green's work i don't know if you've ever come across maxine green but a philosopher from the states who talks of pedagogy of hope you know um You know, building a better world through educating coaches, through educating athletes, modeling the worlds we need. And what I would say is, you know, sport is very competitive. So if we can work with an organization to develop a caring climate, if that leads to better performance, that organization will get lots of attention, you know, and that organization can model, you know, everybody in sport wants the the next marginal gain. If that's a caring climate, you know, people will look to that and will try to do that, you know. Um, So, yeah, I I think pedagogy gives us hope. I think Maxine Green shows that we can reimagine what our society is. Sociology shows us that we can deconstruct and reconstruct new institutions, new ways of working. It's not easy, but our job as researchers, I see, uh, is to contribute that into that. Um, So I hope that's uplifting because it's a rainy morning here in England. So I think we, you know, we need some optimism.
1: What you said about, I think we all all need some hope that, you know, our work can make a positive difference and and the sport culture can also move towards a better tomorrow. I guess one of the things I just wanted to briefly challenge is that throughout our discussion, you you kind of shared the assumption that um, the caring environment is also going to be an environment that performs better. Is is that always the case, or can they actually be two separate ends?
0: Yeah, well, it's a great question, and again, it's it's one we need to explore. I mean, you know, I would go back to what, what does perform better mean? And this goes back to, I think... You know, that paper on sustainability by John Dolston is, you know, uh, is perform better an individual who, you know, is flourishing. You know, they might be flourishing as an athlete. They might be flourishing in other parts of their life. So is that individual performing better then? So if we reconceive performing better as flourishing, I think that then gives us options to look at saying, okay, if we care for this person, where can we help? Them flourish, but don't forget they also have to contribute. So a caring relationship is them working towards it as well. Yeah. And so I think if we go back to this idea of a caring relationship with them contributing, with us working with others within a wider climate, I I, I think you know more often than not there's potential there for that person to flourish as an individual. If we want to strip it right down and say, are we going to win more games? I think that's you know another a different question. I think, um, you know, unfortunately, you probably can win games very quickly um, by abusing athletes. But that is morally wrong. It's not sustainable. Ethically, you know, we can't have that at all. And our sport needs to be much better than that so our sport doesn't become sustainable unless we start caring for people our athletes don't become sustainable as athletes unless we care for them you know coaching isn't sustainable so i think you know i think not only will caring potentially improve and help people to flourish from a performance perspective but also morally it's the right thing to do so i think it's where we need to be moving to
1: it does answer, and I think we can, when we think up in a broader perspective, that what is a good life, and and we hear from athlete stories that you might become the world champion, but it doesn't seem like you have lived a good life. So you have, you know, for example, after retirement from sport, and we see the problems and 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 that some athletes have yeah. after the career, and also during their careers, and then we can think whether that was all worth it
0: was that good performance it might have been in the very short term in a very narrow sense of that person but they might not be flourishing 10 years after their career you know so yeah yeah, we need to reconsider what is considered high performance and what is flourishing Um, i've met some successful athletes who don't like their sports (laughs) i've met swimmers who don't like swimming and they've got olympic medals that's
1: a weird thing I've talked to swimmers as well who it took them years to go back for the first time to do swimming after they stopped
0: Yeah, and that's surely not success you know if we have people who spent years in their sport and they don't like it then we haven't succeeded have we you know Um, so we have to reconsider what is success Um, that's possibly idealistic yeah Let's not be naive, you know, people are funded on four-year cycles to win medals and things like that as well. Um, So we need to maybe look at that and aspire for more than medals.
1: And I I think let's finish up on a positive note that I think the both of us do believe that we can make a positive change and contribute towards a positive change and I think your work on on caring coaching is is definitely striving towards that
0: absolutely and I you know I'm inspired you know John Moores we've got master students on a coaching course we've got undergraduate students these are the people who are you know going to be out there coaching so we got an opportunity to challenge them to develop this research to share it with them You know, these are the coaches of the future. These are, you know, the people who, you know, can make their club a more caring environment, you know. Um, And there are lots of people out there doing good caring work as well. Uh, Often undervalued, often uh, in the background, often not recognized by researchers if we only look at what they do on the field of play. But some of them are doing great work off the field of play. So, you know, it's about capturing some of that good practice, sharing it, spreading it. You know, it's exciting times. Yeah
1: absolutely so yeah i i really really enjoyed our talk so thank you uh, so much for for the discussion
0: no problem i hope it's of interest to the listeners and uh, keep going with the podcast i'm really enjoying it
1: thanks for joining us this week on physical activity researcher podcast if you like the show make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing or following the show on twitter this podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Thank you for your support. If you found value in the show, we would really appreciate a rating on Apple Podcast or whichever app you're using. Or if you would, in a real old school way, simply tell a friend about the show, it would be a great help for us. We have a fantastic lineup of guests for forthcoming episodes. So be sure to tune in. Thank you all for your support and have a great day.